getting, Jim. But not as we know it. This is This is Bashcast, episode number... One, seven, seven. It is four minutes after 28pm on Sunday the 29th of August 2021. Afternoon's Bashcast. We look at the EV of buying a wedding suit three times after making five figures the Sunday before. My wife's drunk friend turns up at a wedding and nobody is impressed with his behaviour. Two golf winners on the same day, the same Super Sunday at the FedEx. And we open the mailbag, have a discussion about Discord as a communication platform for advantage players. A look at request the bets, your odds, the results of those. And finally, why continuing to smash Football coupons in the shops. Just continuing to brie some bread and butter. That's right, I said to brie some bread and butter. I'm not going to re-record that. Although, maybe I'd choose some rock for um, bread and butter. And we finish with Salentina versus Roma in Syria. Ah, all of that. And more coming up in this afternoon's Bashcast. So I've got Wolves versus Man United in the background, easing myself back into it after a bit of a holiday, after a bit of an August break. Um, Wolves are playing out the skin in this match as well. Don't think I've got anything on this. I don't think I do. I often, I often have no idea if I've got anything on the game or not. Um, but if people thought Man United were going to win this, 
Wolves have been all over them. It makes me think in real time, actually. I'm going to check the price because if Wolves are over 2.8 in this game, then I fancy them. Oh, goodness. Look at that. They're 4.2 in the exchange. I might have been some of that. Let me just have some of this. Keyboard, that computer, enter. How much? That sounds like good enough, doesn't it? There you go. That's something to follow in the background. Yeah, 4.2. I would have taken three. Again. I mean, yet yeah, again, Wolves on the attack. I wonder what the stats are for this game as well. I, was, I wasn't going to talk about this. I, was, I had something else to line myself up with. But just as we get started, it's fun to have in the background. Stats of this game so far. Wolves at home to Manchester United. Um, Wolves, five goal attempts. Man United, four. Wolves, three shots on goal. Man United, nil. I don't know where Man United's four goal attempts have been. 50-50 uh, possession. Yeah, and Man United are evens to win. And Wolves, 4.2. As Wolves come again, we get another corner. Hopefully, they'll win this match. So, yeah, I've kind of had a very dry August. I've had some time off. There's been some various family stuff going on. Um, uh, volume's been way down. Variance has been way up on my side uh, and I, I've ended up making loads but only because I've been running uh, well which is kind of cool it's nice to run well and then not place loads of bets in the same month as well just because that meant that I couldn't go on a nasty losing run and lose it all because I didn't have massive amounts of um, volume I had a couple good winners and um, they saw it through to the end of the month it was a decent month in the end um, and then we had some holidays at the beginning, in fact, let me tell you the the first winners. It was it was a, it was a hell of a Sunday. It was one of those Sundays where I couldn't lose. I felt strange. I was saying to Duncan, it's, like, it's, been, it's been a while since I've said one of these days. I feel like every single bet I'm placing, no matter what odds it's coming in, and it was football, golf, horse racing. Although the horse racing one, what was it? That was um, two thousand nine hundred and twenty four pounds and eighty six pence returned from a £60 bet. Now, you'd think, well, that sounds good. Well, I wasn't happy. And let me tell you why I wasn't happy, if I can bring it up here. <laughs> this was a Lucky 15, um, featuring mostly uh, My Laden. My Laden? My Laden? Whoever this guy is. My Laden. And he's in a nine-horse race at Downpatrick in Ireland. 4.55 in the afternoon this Sunday. He's 200 to 1. He went off 100 to 1 SP. He was 200 to 1, right? And um, uh, I always find that odd because there are nine horses in this race and he only needs to... I mean, you, the winner's going to win, if that makes sense, as Wolves come forward again. He only needs to squeeze into that third place. If you think of the last seven horses, who's battling it out for third? And he won that race, but there was another 200 to 1, 40 to 1, 22 to 1 in the field. And he's going to be competitive against those guys with the 2 to 5 favourites. So, you know, those position places, he's never going to win. Okay, well, maybe he's going to win once out of every 500 times, whatever the exchange price was. But you're not looking at the win on him. Had him in a few slips, actually. He placed, and he, so he places, he comes third. The other slip I had, no other horse managed to do him a favor and compound and multiply the wealth so screw you but in this one uh particular one i had him with a 33 to 1 at texas rock and this guy um in karat he wins his race so i've got a winner at 33 to 1 uh i've got myla dean at 200 to 1 placing so of course you know this could go places i've got i've set up the um 
I've set up the win. This could get, you know, we could get trebles, doubles out of this, multiplied by 33 to 1. This is good. Um, my next horse is Alex Harwell, who finishes second at 12 to 1. My days. All right. So let's forget about anything monster from the win. But I've now got places at 200 to 1, 33 to 1, and 12 to 1. And that now moves me on to my last horse. I had the 200 to 1. I had the 33 to 1. I had the 12 to 1. I've only got a 6 to 1 sort of joint favourite, Eagle's Flight, in the last race uh, at Carrara. All he's got to do is place, which is about even money to do. And that's a five-figure payday for me. Incidentally, I'd already had a five-figure payday up until this point. So I was just going to, like, soar through the five figures. This was enough, This was going to add £10,117 to my net profit. If he wins, he brings home £20,000 profit. Uh, and if he finishes outside of the top three, um, as Wolves hit the bar, um, then there's no profit and I only win the odd £2,900 for the other three horses. And he finished sixth. He didn't even make it close. There's no there's no drama story at the end of this. He finishes sixth. Um, uh, so I'd had a decent day and then other things happened in that Sunday, in that marvellous Sunday where I couldn't lose a bet. But I was feeling good and I wasn't placing a lot of volume. I was having a lot of days off in the weeks. You know what I mean? Sort of focusing on weekends, not doing a lot, spending time with the family. We had a lot of things planned for the family. There was a, a trip down to Cornwall, which ended up in a huge argument because even the weird thing about being an advantage player, I can win £12,000 um, um, on, a, on a Sunday or £3,000 on a horse. I'm still not paying £20 for a pizza. Um, £20 for a 20-inch pizza down in Cornwall. I don't know what's going on there. We went down surfing, down to the beach. I'll tell you, the vending machines, they take gold bars down there just now. They know people are not vacationing abroad and they are taking advantage of it. And it it, it gets on my wick being taken advantage of. It also involved us sitting down on the sand trying to work out if we wanted three 16-inch pizzas at £16 a pop or two 20-inch pizzas at £20 a pop. Because uh, despite the ridiculous prices down there, Pi R squared's not a difficult equation. At least it's not if you if you try, if you just try and then figure out what the surface area is. So we were having lots of fun doing the trim trigonometry in the beach down there. And then went to uh, oh by the way, the answer is uh two twenty pound pizzas, which are only forty quid cheaper per inch squared of pizza than three sixteen inch pizzas for forty eight pounds. The forty pound pizza combo gives you more pizza than the 48 pound pizza combo just in case you have it down in Cornwall although I might not be back until they sort the prices out down there and then the following weekend after that so we did Cornwall for the weekend we came back and then straight away again we had um, a family wedding it was my wife's brother's wedding so my brother-in-law and I have a new sister-in-law who is married in and they had a wedding uh, and that was down in Oxfordshire, and so I was busy for that and didn't do a lot. And it was a wonderful wedding, but unfortunately, one really bad thing happened um, that tainted the whole thing. Uh, and that bad thing that happened was that my wife, Jen, Jen's drunk husband, turned up to the wedding. 
Yes, that's right. Jen, my wife's drunk husband, turned up uninvited to the wedding and it was uh, a little bit of a shocker. He wasn't invited. Uh, he apparently had mitigating circumstances um, and um, they could be just seen as justification for the alcohol that was consumed. I'm not a huge alcohol drinker anymore. I think I was back in the day. Two small kids, over 43. There is um, a little bit, like just getting older, I don't sort of, you know, I don't want to wake up with a hangover and look after kids, mostly, to tell you the truth, otherwise I'd be on it all the time. The Amy Winehouse diet. But... Um, this particular morning, um, the wedding's down in Oxfordshire. I live in Worcestershire. It's about an hour and a half, two-hour drive because ridiculous traffic on a Saturday um, morning. And being a Saturday morning, of course, I've got um, the administration of bookie bashing to sort out. Basically, is everyone happy? Or um, Is Intel going to shops? Does anything need organizing? Do we need boosts on the site? Are the tools working? Are the trackers working? Are things linked up? Um, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, I think this particular morning as well, we'd sort of missed a coupon and I was doing the coupon in the background. Uh, nothing more nothing more ingenious than just sitting there and asking someone to go to the shop and then type, literally typing every team name up in Excel with the fractional odds next to them. Um, oh, by the way, smashing the coupons at the beginning of the season. We'll come back to that. But what a great start um, to the season on them. So I'm, 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 I'm not late. What I've done is I've agreed that everyone, my wife, my kids, all their family are going to head down early, early. And then I'm going to head down about lunchtime. I'm going to be there an hour earlier than I need to be because you don't want traffic to ruin the day you don't want to get there at the last second and miss the wedding because of the traffic right that's the sensible thing to do if you need to be at a wedding at 12 30 especially when you know it's, it's a big day for my wife because it's her brother then you need to be there an hour early and a two-hour trip i need to sort of be aiming for 11 30 does this make sense I'm, I'm aiming to be there an hour early and my son is two he turned three in august actually and um he was bought for the wedding he's one, one of the very few children there this really awesome little suit which is a purple waistcoat a white shirt and little purple shorts um really smart for the wedding and we put it on him and being a two-year-old he thrashed about and had a tantrum because he's not been smart before in his entire life and he doesn't want to be smart he wants to wear his dinosaur t-shirt and uh, spider-man trousers and he has the spider batman wetsuit that he likes wearing just casual wear every day what a lad um and so the quandary was well how do we get him to look smart for the wedding and genius idea let's buy exactly the same clothes for me that he's wearing, because when he sees his dad wearing those clothes, then he'll feel more comfortable wearing them himself. And I needed new clothes anyway, because as an advantage player that's come through lockdown and hasn't worked in an office for the better part of seven years or something like that, I don't have any smart clothes. Uh, well, okay, I have my old smart clothes. I'll tell you what, After since finishing work a long time ago and being able to eat better not be stressed sleep well and exercise all the time I, those clothes look ridiculous on me because i'm half the size that i used to be so they're old and they're half the size so that's not a good look at a wedding even though i'm very rarely smart you can't just be wearing your seven-year-old suit that's three sizes too big for you to a wedding so okay it was like yeah it, it is actually time 
for new clothes, for a new suit. Um, and I'll get what my son's getting. I'm not going to get the shorts because I'm not a schoolboy, but I'll get, you know, long purple trouser, chinos, something similar, smart, uh, nice purple waistcoat, white new white shirt. Uh, I'll look exactly the same as him, and he'll be happy. So we went down John Lewis, you know, not the most. There'll be people listening to this. You got your thousand pound suits, your two thousand pound suits. I don't need a thousand pound suit, right? I always used to work off the principle that if you sit in a meeting and you're wearing a fifty pound suit from Next, then you, you, the power dynamic that comes out of you, the way you think of yourself, is you think that you're sitting wearing a 50 pound suit from next. It's not good for your energy systems and your aura, your personality, your self-belief. So when I'm in meetings every single day, I'd like, I quite like a decent suit. When I'm at a wedding once in a blue moon, I don't need to spend too much money on that. But John Lewis, 300 pound range for a white shirt, purple waistcoat, purple trouser for infrequent wear sounded good to me. So as I leave, I get the suit and I put the suit on a, it's all in the same coat hanger, you know, the one coat hanger trick that you get everything on. Put it on the uh, living room door handle because I'm going to walk past the living room to get to the front door, to get out of the house, to travel down. And as I'm collecting necessary equipment for the wedding, like a little toy sword for my son and all the rest of the gubbins and my iPad and everything for me to keep an eye on the horse racing and everything over the day, I get a text from my wife who asks me to bring the portable potty that's in the garage. So, okay, that's not a problem because I'm going to go through the garage, pick that up, go through the gym, exit the house on that side, come to the front of the house, lock the door, get in the car and leave. And of course, the new purple suit is on the inside of the door and I haven't walked past it, so I haven't picked it up to put it in the car. And at no point over the next two-hour journey did I ever think about it once. Didn't think about it once. Um, I'm listening to, I'll tell you what, I'm listening to, I've got Pete Tong on from the night before who's doing a, an unbelievable set. And I'm, I'm really enjoying the music uh, in the traffic jam on the M40 and then the, um, uh, yeah, the M40 South. And I get to my brother-in-law's house and I get out the car and I walk into the house and I take one look at my son and I instantly know, oh my God, you've forgotten your suit. And the hour buffer that I gave myself because of the traffic, I've only got 20 minutes. I don't have enough time anymore to fix this. However, I think all, I don't know, married men may recognize this thought process where I stare at my mother-in-law and I stare at my wife and I'm looking at everyone running around from the wedding and I'm like, this day is not about you. Don't walk into here with your problems. Don't mention that you've forgotten your suit because people are getting stressed about a wedding that's about to happen in 20 minutes time that they need to leave for. You're, it's not your day. You're, you're, you're a big man. You need to just turn around and fix this. I don't know how and I don't care how. I turn around and I get to the car and I'm Googling on my phone. I'm like, I am in trouble here if I can't find something next door. Well, next is next door. At least it's seven minutes down the road. There's 20 minutes until we leave. That's seven minutes to get there and park, get in, find a purple waistcoat, a white shirt and some purple smart trousers, pay for them, 
get back to the car, get changed in the car, and then get back over to go to the wedding. I'm t- I, have, I have a job. I have to take people to the wedding. So there's no faffing about anymore, right? So I drive over to Next, and at Next, obviously, they only sell shirts in smart shirts, either with you know, like the black buttons, like it looks like you're the groom, or packs of three smart shirts. And I've already got one smart shirt at home. I don't need this three smart shirts. I'm like, okay, I'll take the pack of three. I was a little bit annoyed with that. I got a purple waistcoat that from memory looked close enough, but I didn't really have time to check it against the pictures because remember, I've got seven minutes to get out of the car, get into next, select these items, pay for them, get back into the car and get changed. It's not a lot of time. I, I calculated... Um, my search time in Next was less than three minutes. I had three minutes to find these items. And at half of that time was taken up being really annoyed about having to buy a multi-pack of shirts when I only wanted one. Why can't you just buy one white shirt? Surely that must, must be the most popular shirt on sale. Picked up the waistcoat, um, guessed at my size, picked up the trousers, guessed at my size, um, uh, paid for it all, came to 125 pounds which was slightly annoying given how much we'd already spent um because now i have two identical suits but whatever i mean this is, i need solutions to this problem and I, I had won the money the weekend before for some reason again that money doesn't come into it i'm just more annoyed that i'm now spending money that I could be spending on other things the fact that i've won a decent amount of money within the last seven days like five figures isn't coming into it. What I am thinking is that that 120 quid I could have spent on toys for my son or a meal or, you know what I mean? Cheeseburgers for me. So I've got the second suit and I go into the car and in my car, I now have to get changed to pretend that nothing's happened. And I'm hoping no one's going to notice that I'm wearing a slightly different suit to the one that we ordered. And I put the trousers on and they are so tight. Uh, A little bit of uh, an underestimation on the waist size and how much I'd maybe been drinking and not training down in Cornwall, right? Just a little. Um, and I could barely breathe in these things. But okay, whatever. Again, it's not. this isn't my wedding. This isn't my position to be putting problems on people. So I'm like, you just got to deal with it. So we get over to the wedding. I pick my kids up and some other people and take them to the wedding. And um, the bride, who um, this really nice Chinese girl that my brother-in-law has met, she is walking down the aisle, but she can't have any family there because they are from Shanghai. Or she tells me it's like this just tiny little village just out of Shanghai that I genuinely haven't heard of and has 7 million people in it. (laughs) Um, So she's got to walk down. And because she hasn't got family and friends, well, family that are able to come over, she is um she's asked my daughter to be who's five to be the chief bridesmaid and she has to walk first and drop the petals on the floor um uh, and then jj will walk behind her and unfortunately it's just started to rain and so the boys have to come in me and my son and we have to hold an umbrella over my daughter and so I crouched down into a squat because never lean over it's bad for your back if you're going to talk to kids you need to squat and I squat down and of course in the position of the squat you put pressure on your thighs and I just hear a tear go all the way down the bum the bum crack and I'm about to walk my daughter down the center of this wedding that everyone is at 
with a cheap next purple suit on and a tear right down the bum crack. I mean, come on! Okay, right. Having known that it had happened, but having no time to fix it whatsoever, we just had to get on with it. Walked Sasha towards the entrance of the wedding. At least fortunately at this point, my my back is away from everyone because I'm facing them. Um, and I hold the umbrella over her. Uh, and then we get to the door. And now this is the tricky bit. And I pass the umbrella over to anybody that will just take it from me. And as I go in, instead of going down the center, I shepherd my daughter to the side so that I'm able to sort of have my back always uh, against the wall. And so I'm only ever facing someone and we find a slightly alternative route down the middle of the wedding. Now, the mother-in-law, my wife and the bride slightly confused that I have now chosen for Sasha to drop petals down a new route, a new unplanned route that the bride might not necessarily be taking through the middle of it. However, and I promise you, that is a better outcome, Sasha going down a new route that the bride isn't going down, than me walking down the middle with my pink boxer shorts hanging out of a tear that have, that's come out of these stupid, cheap, next £50 trousers or £120 suit that I've just gotten bought because I've forgotten the old... It's a better solution. So we take a, a a deviated route around the wedding and sit down and I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. We get to the end of the wedding and it's now my responsibility to take everyone back, but I'm able to wing it and just take my own children who at the ages of five and two uh, are unaware of the stress that I am currently under. And as I go from the place that they get married to the um, to the party to the to the what do you call it a ceremony? No, the ceremony is where they get married. What is it? The the thingy. The words just left my grasp. If I just get older, you just try and grasp for that word, and it's not there. It's because I don't go to lots of weddings anymore. What do you call the thing after the after the ceremony? The thing, the party, whatever. I go to the party. I'm able to stop off en route at another clothes shop, a local one down in Oxfordshire and buy a third pair of trousers that are meant to be identical for exactly the same wedding, which, incidentally, now I'm fuming. I'm really struggling to part with any more than 40 quid for this third pair of trousers, knowing that, well, I don't really have two other identical ones. I've got the ripped ones, which in the back of my mind, I'm wondering, can I get my money back tomorrow? But again, I don't want to just make it difficult for everyone. And I've also got the nice ones back at home that have never been worn. So I get a third pair of identical trousers, for the wedding and I get into the wedding and nobody knows and I'm very happy about that uh, other than my kids but they don't, they were under strict instructions not to mention it and were bribed with um, chocolate milk which was so dumb as well because they ended up getting chocolate milk all done what was I thinking giving them that in the car um, so we turn up the kids covered in chocolate milk that actually takes the attention away from me and I breathe a sigh of relief I think I've got away with it and because I think I've got away with it, I reach for a, a glass and pour it full of wine and then start drinking at a rate of knots that was unexpected. <laughs> and it went downhill from there. And therefore, my wife's drunk husband turned up at that wedding. You know, there's a cousin who's... Um, a cousin Ben, who's a good guy, but he's now like I haven't seen him in like 10 years. And he was 10 the last time that I saw him. And he turns up at the wedding. He He really looks identical to Ed Sheeran 
Um, except that I think Ben's maybe six foot something, and I, I, I get the impression Ed Sheeran isn't, but what do I know? Maybe he is. And so for the entire wedding, it was just one of those drunknesses where when I first saw him, I went up to him, take me into your loving arms, and just sort of ad infinitum. Like it's maybe funny once, but doing it 300 times. So they say she's in the class A team, and then just going away and having to Google more lyrics in the toilet whilst I go there and coming back. It says, I found a love. I mean, that, that kind of just, I don't know, it was funny at the time. Not so much funny in the morning. And also, also half of the kids, the problem with kids getting older and being 13, 14, 15 is the last time I saw them, they were eight. And when I can look them in the eye, I kind of think that they're adults. And then you've had a few glasses of wine, you do the Rudy Poo jokes, you know, the Rudy Poo jokes that you tell your mates. Except that you forget the 13, 14, 15, the parents are probably in earshot as well. You turn into that uncle and then back have a pee and you're still singing. You're still singing the Ed Sheeran lyrics when you go up to Auntie Eleanor and you say, when your legs don't work like they used to before and I can sweep you off your feet only because you can't think of any way of communicating with people other than Ed Sheeran lyrics and Auntie Eleanor happened to have been in an accident a few years ago and she's in a wheelchair now. Look, uh, I'll make it clear. I have, uh, I, I, I garnered express permission to go through the um, awful wedding stories from my wife, and um, she, uh, she was more than happy for me to do it. And I think everyone was still talking to me in the morning. It could have just been politeness on their part, but you know, let's hope that guy doesn't turn up at any more weddings. Jen's drunk husband, and let's get back to some gambling. Howard Wall's not ahead in this game. 72 minutes gone in the game. Still nil-nil. Still a big hopes for Wolves though. The problem is the odds claim up. And they're still attacking now. I'm just going to end up topping up and topping up in this game. It might be good just to speak on the Bashcast to limit, uh, limit the losses. So yeah, as I described, um, that Sunday the 8th of August was quite a day for me. Um, it began with um, the Hero Open, which was all about Callum Hill for the first day, who'd gone 63, 68, 67 to get to 18 under par. Um, and then he quickly goes to 22 under par, and he looks like he's going to win the thing. Um, but Callum Hill, I think he gets nervous. He, he, he'd only had, he'd had no do- drop shots in the first round, no drop shots in the second day, only two drop shots in the third day, and then goes on the ninth bogey, double bogey, just as he is getting um, a little bit of distance between himself and the field. You had David Law, Santiago Tario, James Morrison, um, all snapping his heels. James Morrison, who on the back nine, turn, talk about turning it on, went birdie, 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 papa birdie. So he's done something very similar this weekend as well. Um... In the tournament, I didn't get anything from. I can't, well, I can't even remember the tournament that was on this afternoon. The Amiga European Masters, the Czech Masters. Um, he finished that tournament in 27th place, but he went 10 under on the first day and then went 74, 70, 71. You know what I mean? To finish 5 under in total. I mean, what a scorecard that is. 
10 under and he was three ahead in the first day. So he, he obviously goes through these periods of just unbelievable golf. And if you click on his name, because there's a stupid advert for Odyssey right next to his name, you can't get to his scorecard. Is that it? You just can't get to his scorecard because he's sponsored by Odyssey. What if I click along here? Well, that's in, in, that's moronic. You can't get to a scorecard. Oh, well, I was going to talk, talk you through how we got your 60, but obviously I'm not. The European Tour are quite bad at some things, and one of those things is the leaderboard and the reporting. Like Jimenez was through there. Anyway, back to back to the Hero Open. So I was on Grant Forrest, who I did, who wasn't even on the radar really on the final day. My um, eighteen under par he was up there, but um, yeah, went six under par to finish twenty four under with birdie birdie finish on the seventeenth and the eighteenth to take that tournament down. Um, I quite enjoyed it because I didn't expect it at the beginning of the day. Had. 130 quid on him, 80 to 1, um, uh, which was a nice payout. Now, we then had the horse racing in the afternoon that I talked about previously, the £2,942.86 from the £60 slip, thanks to the 200 to 1 placing. Also, I had like another four lucky 15s, all of which returned just nominal amounts, like 200 quid here, 100 quid here, 200 quid here, 100 quid here, all adds up at the end of the day. It just seemed to be one of those days when none of them were completely busting. Same with the pushes coupons. I had Derby draw, Preston, Crew draw, Wimbledon, Wiggins, Stevenage, and East Fife. You know, when, when a few of the draws come into these, it's because I'm... Um, um, it's um, it's either been priced up badly on both sides. The draw ends up being valuable. Go for the draw. You know, if you get seven draws that are all three point five in the slip, and that there's no difference in the dra value being with the draw and the value being with the opposing teams, right? And that uh, that was a hundred and seventy five pound slip, and it didn't return loads, but it returned five hundred and fifty three. And then there was a there's a Another coupon with Derby Draw, Preston, Crew Draw, Wimbledon, Wigan, Stevenage, and East Fife. Oh, sorry, that's the one I just mentioned. With Barnsley, Luton, Cheltenham, Wimbledon, Newport, Stevenage, and Cove Rangers. And only four of them won, but it still is 335 bad. And nothing is setting the world on fire just here. But I'm just getting a few hundred here, a few hundred there, a few hundred here, and a few hundred there. And nothing seems to be losing. And then you get Grant Forrest come home at 80 to 1. In the evening, in the St. Jude, Deshambo was the guy that was just tearing this field apart, as he tends to do. 65, 66, and 63. He's got a hell of a lead. Um, and then he does what Deshambo does. And he does has no course management, and he has to take his driver out and show everybody how far he can drive on every single hole, which is great when you're not on him. And he goes um, bogey on the 10th. And then on the 11th, he can't hit the water and hit triple bogey on the 11th. So he drops four shots uh, in two holes. He then drops another two shots on the 15th and the 18th. And from being in a position where he couldn't be caught, he couldn't even come in the top five because he has the worst course management in the world. Again, um, Hideki Matsuyama, Harris English looked like he was going to do well and he capitulated with two double bogeys in four holes and then a bogey on the 16th. It was Abraham Anser who's always dancing around fourth, fifth, sixth position in this um, in this game um, and he held his nerve. Uh, came home with a 68, just a single birdie on the back nine but when everyone else is capitulating 
that will do and I had if I just scroll up here I know it was 44 to 1 or 45 to 1 and I had um, uh, some money on him I can't actually find a couple hundred quid adult <coughs> uh, squirrel here yeah uh, uh, my dinner was ready so some commotion in the background but it's gone now so it's interesting the golf so that was on the 8th and for some reason the 8th feels like a long way away just now first of all I only tipped because uh, I don't get on the same tips as WGV or even bookie bashing I just use well bookie bashing to benchmark the performance of the tracker WGV is very important because it means that we're independently proofed right over at SBC um, but um, I, I'll put up a selection in both places. I, I'll get on mostly what are easier for me to get on. For example, if I'm tipping at Bet365, can't, can't get on at Bet365, so I can't get on that guy. Whereas uh, Bet French Shop's very easy for me. So um, um, it was one of those where I had answer on both places, and that's the win. Didn't have Forest, but I was on him, and that happens. You know, sometimes I get the winner at those places and I'm not on myself. Although I tend to cover everything at the exchange as well as each way. But yeah, um, I was on Forest each way personally. Couldn't get it on Boogie Bash and couldn't get it on WGV. Uh, but that happens. Um, and for some reason, it feels like a long time ago, the 8th, because I think I've certainly, it feels like I've gone a full bust this week and a full bust last week. And maybe only one place the week before since the 8th. Um, which is a bit of a run. Um, oh, there's only been two weeks. It was the 8th, the 15th. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think like one place out of six tournaments, which um, um, will have wiped out Abraham Hanser. I was having a look at the variance, but I mean, to be up or down in a month is neither here nor there. One month is eight tournaments-ish. Um, I, uh, I put myself roughly in a position where I need an even money chance to have... Um, to have a place and a place is just about money back. So two places in a tournament should be profit and a win is big profit. And obviously no places is the down. I did have a look at the um the volatility and the variance, the worst downswing that we've had in golf. It got me thinking about it because um some people had mentioned um that they had given up golf before the recent decent run, um, which came in chunks this year and I guess were you to have started exactly on the Shriners Hospital for Children on October the 3rd 2019 and then bet not on the tracker the tracker is completely different the tracker is just the tracker is just plus EV or negative EV but on the small amount of selections that we picked from it um, with a thousand pound bankroll and the staking system that we had in place, you'd probably be about minus £920 after eight months, nine months, uh, and then a few winners, and then another downswing, and then finished the year about 200 quid down after in October um, 2020, the Shriners Hospital for Children on the 8th of October then, where I think we actually ended up getting a winner and then since then it's been good. So that's a whole twelve month period that seemed to be um down for four months, winner, down for four months, winner, and just in profit, down for four months, winner. And then after that there was this uh sort of cluster of winners. So um it's I don't know why, but it's felt like it's been a long time since the eighth of 
August, even though it's only been three weeks, just because of the amount of losers that we've had. And then you remember that in golf, we could very reasonably have four-month losing periods, just losing after losing after losing four months in a row. And then we might have a winning month that wiped all of that out. And that's the kind of longevity, long-term thinking that's required. So it was kind of weird that I was feeling like it had been a long time since Adrian Anter until now. Certainly this week, again, Amiga Masters, nobody. Um, I think Migliozzi, I haven't looked at any places he was tipped. I was on him, but if he was seven places, well, I got tied 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th. So that's tied 1-6. That's it's pittance, hardly anything. Uh, Rosner left as 62 until the last day. Thanks, Rosner. You couldn't repeat that the day before. You would have won the bloody thing. Catlin capitulated at the end. Fitchard. But all these guys, they're sitting around, they're sitting in the top 20. You know what I mean? I mean, like, another day they wouldn't have had those couple of double bogeys that just dropped off the pace. And they, um, they would have had the Rasmus Hodgegaard finish where he he went eagle, eagle, birdie, 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 birdie all the way down the line. Just timing that cluster, right? Talk about that. What did DeChambeau do yesterday and the day before? He's unbelievable. So we're talking before about how he threw it away. He's going to throw it away this way as well, trust me. But, I mean, he was on 59 watch after round two. And then yesterday he starts off and he goes... Par, par, birdie, eagle, eagle. Back-to-back back eagles for five under after five. So he's on 59 watch again. And then, of course, in the back nine, he does what he does. Where he Three bogeys and a double bogey on the back nine. He's still in first with Patrick Cantley. I've got nobody in contention in this tournament. Um, my top guy and my star leaderboard is mixed up. With personal bets who aren't on WGV and Bucky Bash, possibly... Well, Sam Burns, I'm on him, but WGV and Bucky Bash, I think Dan Berger, who is in 19th but has played 13 holes, so he's going to run out of holes. Justin Thomas hasn't done anything, 11 under. But these guys are 10 shots behind DeChambeau and Cantley, so it's almost like they have to go on a miracle streak just for one of them to place. So I'm an outside just to get a single place, which would be a break-even. So yeah, it look it's looking like that, that losing lunge stretch is settling in. That's fine, um, because we're looking at this over the period of a year or two years, and not a week or two weeks. What I do know, what I can see is that it's always interesting. Um, you can see it from the vantage point. Subscriptions to both services always well plateau, especially bookie bashing, during a winning run. Uh, and go down during a losing run. Um, there's always a losing run, and then you just see membership drip, numbers drop. I kind of always feel a bit bad that one they've lost the money and felt like they've had enough, and then but also two, the worst thing is that they'll leave and then the winning run comes. But whatever, it's just like it's how you look at it, you know. You can't continue doing something if you feel like it's stiffing you all the time, can you? Anyway, let's move on from the golf. Let's open up. Um, Let's open up the mailbag this week. Um, love opening up the mailbag. Two letters this week. The first one, the first one's from Valentin in Romania. Valentin's from Romania. He says, fuck off, fucker. That's from Valentin. Uh, Valentin is a chap who uh, runs a scraping and bot bet placing service. And what he does... He um, scrapes the horse station tracker on bookie bashing and resells that information uh, at a premium price uh, 
um, to other people. He markets it. it. It's packaged in. It's not just Boogie Bakshin, but it's packaged in as um, an exclusive sort of automated horse racing system um, with the best services out there, such as Boogie Bashing, star, 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 um, and then the bots that will automatically place it so that you will return thousands or tens of thousands of pounds per month, every month. That sounds quite good, Valentine, doesn't it? So I was talking to him. I just wanted to find out what he was selling it for, trying to get information from him. I studied in Birmingham a few years ago, I saw from his Facebook page. Um, and... Um, uh, he, he, unfortunately, I was stupid because as I was talking to him on Telegram, my name on Telegram was literally Thomas Brownlee, so I wasn't masking who I was at all. He twigged um, who I was, and as soon as he twigged, uh, yeah, fuck off, fuck it. It's literally like going into a corner shop and then just picking up the, all of their stuff and saying to the person that owns it, fuck off, fuck it, as you go outside into the pavement and sell it there. Um, that's literally... <laughs> that's literally... So that's from Valentin. What a lovely chap. That guy is. And then um, slightly brighter, um, uh, a message here. Just a quick one after listening to your latest podcast. I joined the site last year. More to keep up a handle on advantage betting and just dabble a bit. Um, uh, I'd been advantage playing since 2007, full time since 2013, but got involved with football index. And that took me away from the AP stuff I used to do. So when Football Index went tits up back in March, it was like a dummy whoop, double whammy. You've got my full sympathy for Football Index. Two, I, I wasn't involved. I stay, stayed clear um, by some distance, but um, that's not in any way gloating. I have nothing but sympathy for those that got caught up in it. Um, so it was like a double whammy because it stopped me APing and cost me pounds and it literally cleaned me out stupid i know that's another story luckily having your site there and having dabbled in your style of vantage play gave me another route to take and with the cheltenham the week after i had no time to dwell on things and i'm getting back on track it was a bit scary back in march bills to pay and money gone but anyway cheers for the site i find it really useful i mainly just hit golf and horse multiples and the trackers are great guides and the podcast is great i like the story like the poor chap coming off his bike poor fella keep up the good work uh that thank you very much for dropping me that message i appreciate it that's uh yeah kind words so on the subject of um these messages somebody had um asked i, I saw a screenshot because i'm not on i'm not on the bloody thing but somebody sent uh said that um it was deadly quiet on discord recently now as i say i'm not on it um i found there was a period of time um i i uh, when we started it, it was fine, and it was um, uh, moulded in the fashion that I used to post on uh, gambling forums. Um, I Back in the day, and we're talking about over a decade ago, decade, maybe two nearly, coming close to, post on these forums, equity graphs about um, different gambling strategies. But um, I wasn't the guy at the top, and that was the difference. And you always had people that you would fall out with, but you could either they could be banned or chucked or anything like that. Um and I sort of molded Discord at the beginning and the channels that I started um, in that fashion. But then it was slightly different dynamic with me being the guy at the top. I did find that occasionally if there were losing runs, I was taking a bit of heat that I was finding difficult. And then occasionally with so many people, I mean, if you have, if you have 250 people, then the worst uh, 5% of that number of people is still 12 and a half people. Right. So uh, 12 and a half people coming at you at the same time, be, even if they're just the worst 5 percent, the rest of the 95 percent 
a fight is is difficult to defend against. And there was certainly a position uh, where I could say that the sky was blue and somebody would argue that it was green and I was an idiot for saying it was blue that was making it untenable. It was just becoming tiring defending all the positions. Uh, so, um, And then a little bit of a personal strategy. I snapped at somebody and then it was best if I just left because I wasn't uh, professional enough on there. And then, as I understand since then, um, it's become a lot quieter. No longer do we sort of post up um, different theories about things that could be good or band about ideas. It generally is a repository for two different things. Um, the shop intel stuff actually is very useful to come through Discord because we can't possibly have eyes on the ground at all times and um, having a community of people that can just post what's going on in there is of course extremely useful. And the second thing it's uh, useful for is just pointing out when something has gone wrong with the site as it will always do because the nature of what we do at Bucky Bashing, we're scraping and giving us up-to-date and live odds as we want to, a lot of the time directly from the bookmaker, and the bookmaker doesn't want us to, and it's a game of cat and mouse, and very frequently the bookie um, uh, the bookie might find that we're scraping and stop us from doing that, and we have to sort of, we find the tracker is either a little bit old or it's just tripped over because of that, and we've just got to go and fix it. But, you know, if that happens at 3 o'clock in the morning, we're all sleeping, it has to wait until... Uh, the next morning, that kind of thing. And it will always be that way. But that kind of means that Discord is there and just becomes a series of people posting what's going on in shops, which is fine for the shop guys. But if you're not a shop guy, it's then just a series of uh, messages about things that um, are going wrong at Bucky Bashing. And someone put it quite eloquently the other day. It sort of has to be like that because if things are going well, you won't say anything because you don't want other people to be attracted to how well things are going. You would be foolish to say, wow, I made £10,000 this weekend using this strategy from bookie bashing because if that gets screenshot and shared around, then you encourage people to come to bookie bashing and perhaps that dilutes the pool uh, of value a little bit. Now, we have ways of managing it. Uh, tr trust me, we have, uh, certainly if there started to be an influx of people coming in, we would be able to protect against it. And there are various things that we've got going on behind the scenes. As it happens, we've never really had an influx of people. We've had people join, but we've also had people leave. The number of people that have joined have just about equaled, give or take about 10, 20%, the number of people that have left throughout the last two or three years. Uh, people see new names on the Discord makes them think new people have joined, but also they don't see the people that have left and the people that have changed their names. So it, it, it's one of those things that only negativity can then be posted, right? So if good things are happening, nobody will say anything because people do private. I know that people are making thousands of pounds per month. I know that there are some core users making tens of thousands per weekend. I even know there are other core users making six figures per month, which is a sum of money well beyond what I have ever been able to achieve. Um, but I know they're out there because they're hitting it much harder and they're more focused and good for them. And I also know that if they say this and then it gets screenshot and shared around, that they would have a fear that people will come, so they don't say it. They, they may say it privately to us, but they don't say it publicly on the forums. So yeah, um, if things are going great, it's really quiet. And really quiet just means things are going great. And um, if things are going badly, 
like something's fallen over on the site, then we hear about it. And that just equates to you only see the negative thing on the forum. The other thing that someone had asked that I wanted to address was um, combination bets, the combo bets. They were worried that um, these were struggling, that these were significantly down. And um, whilst both factors are true... If it was a negative EV tool, you might ask, well, why haven't we pulled the tool? We've got so much other value going on on the site. Why haven't we pulled it? Same with coupons. You know, there's quite a few people that have said, um, well, the prices are cut. Uh, I don't do it. The negative EV. Um, somebody even said recently, I'll come to the SBC report on coupons in a little bit. But they said, um, we don't want attention to this because it's already really sensitive to cuts. Well, um, the opposite actually is true. Um, we could easily just mothball uh, the combination spec track and we've still got a wonderful site. We could mothball the coupons and we've still got a wonderful site. Why don't we do either of those things? Because we are certain and we're monitoring the value from both places. In terms of the coupons, um, we've just been doing it long enough that we know and profits continue going up. The minute I start losing, I might pull it. But I, uh, it's, it's just been... It might have been break even for a little bit of a while in the beginning of this premiership season. It's just, it's just back straight back up again. Uh, with the combination spec tracker, this is slightly more if interesting. This is difficult to do with full transparency, um, but I do need to come up with some solution. Here's the issue: the combination spec tracker. It is request bets, your odds. It is pick your punts, and it is what odds paddies. So there's four bookmakers, Betfred, Skybet, um, William Hill, and the other one that I haven't met, mentioned, Paddy Power, Betfred, those four. So what we do is we take all the corners and cards and goals combinations bets from those games, from the available games and those bookmakers. We bring them in. We calculate what we think the fair odds are, and we display, um, we, well, we display them all. And when we started at the beginning, back in January and February, it started just in late December, maybe the 20th of December, something like that. We started right at a two-month period where there were the fewest goals and corners and cards that there had been across Europe in five years, and it was re related to lockdown and no crowds. And things got back to normal, in April and May and June throughout the summer and then now actually we're, we're seeing the opposite true at the beginning of this season there are more goals and action things going on now at the beginning of the year everything lost uh, all the games lost and we would have 50 bets or 100 bets in a single game because where one attribute was good where the corners were good for one bet, they'd be good for all the bets. And so all the bets would be good, if you're following me. Then the bookmakers tightened up a little bit, but the bets started winning. But now we're only getting three or four bets per, per game, one or two bets per game, etc., etc. Now, I can increase the number of bets that we look at quite easily. At the time, at the beginning of the year, I thought we had enough. Um, but there's been some sort of tightening up by the bookies and now I'm ready to start looking at more. Um, in the meantime, if you think about this, we are in a hole because we might have had 300 games at the beginning with 50 um, bets per game and a lot of them were losing. And someone pointed out, if you bet £100 
on every combinations bet, you would be minus £150,000 down. I can believe that. But also I can believe that that would have come from a minority of gains. And if you're taking a single game and you're betting £100 on maybe um, 75 bets and between one, you know, evens and 1,000 to 1, then you're a nutcase. That's an extreme... That's an extreme staking plan. And had a few of those games won, and you know, there'd been some action periods, you would be quite considerably up. And I can believe that you would be minus £150,000 down. And an issue now is that we can't catch that up just now because we're only getting a handful of bets per game. So let's say the next 100 games win. Well, if we're only getting two bets per game, that's only 200 bets. That would be the equivalent of four losing games back in January and February when we were getting them all, and that's the next 200 games winning. So what I'm saying here is that if you look at it from a form of putting £100 down every single bet that comes through there, especially those early days, then yeah, uh, it's down, and it, it, it may never be up because there has probably been some tightening from Paddy Power. It was them who were just crazy wrong in a lot of their bets, and that... Those cluster of 50, 100 bets, I kind of knew at the time of releasing the combinations bets tracker we were going to do, be doing some damage to the overall picture of the volume of those, but there's still always going to be value around where the bookmakers have a just slightly different viewpoint and there's no one else really looking at them. So there will always be value, your odds and what's odds parties and request a bet. And um, I'm probably about ready throughout the latter part of this year to move on to the next project where we look at more of them, more complex ones, so that we're churning over more of them that we look at just to produce some more plus EV ones. But for that reason, yeah. Now, had you been using a different strategy, let's just say, let's not put £100 in every bet, but let's understand that a low-action game will mean that every bet loses. So instead of saying £100 in every bet, I'm going to win £100 in total, across every bet in the game. You see, I couldn't think of another way of doing it. How do you cherry-pick bets out of a game? I can't say, let's bet on this and not on this, because you could turn around to me and say, well, why didn't you bet on that one? Look, we put them all plus EV, so we have to... Th so let's take them all and weight our bet through that so that we win £100 liability, and that's our risk management. Well, what would that have looked like? Well, you would have significantly lost all your bets in January and February. In fact... Had we multiplied the odds by 10 that we were getting from the bookmakers, you still would have lost. That's how many were losing or how few were winning. And then from March, April, May, June, well, middle of March, so let's do whole months, April, May, June, July, August, coming into September. Month after month after month has all been in profit. So we've come out of that hole and there is definitely value there. And it's coming up to nearly um, nine months of usage just now. Uh, and as it comes up to 12 months of usage, to usage towards the end of the year, I'll write a report on it. It's been bumpy and there's been lots of learning um, points. Um, if we thought it was a negative EV tracker that was losing money, we'd uh, have pulled it already. Uh, and we keep it live because we're monitoring it because every bet that goes through there, we're pretty... Well, we are... Very confident that it's a plus EV bet. It's difficult to work out. Some of them aren't even that difficult to work out, to be fair. But the ones with corners and cards, you need to bring in these exclusivity things. But, um, yeah. It's a, I, what I know as well, the, the thing that underlines the, the framework behind the combinations bet tracker is the bet builder. This is the calculator that we have up on the site. It's really cool. Calculates 
cards, corners, and goals, and throws in inclusivity and exclusivity coefficients. You can bring in Betfair markets and odds checking markets and advanced calcs that we do from first principles in the game center, all into the same calculator. That underpins the mathematics that goes into the your odds and the pick your punts. So anything that comes through the combinations bet tracker, you can replicate exactly the same bet on the bet builder and it will be the same price. What I know is that somebody took the bet builder calculator, or maybe the team, um, and they found an edge on building bets at the bookmaker. I, which bookmaker? I wasn't told. I suspect it could have been Coral or Ladbrokes, but I don't know. Um, but it's one of these where you can go into the game, you can select the goals, the corners, the cards you want. They use the bet builder to determine the value in those um, goals and corners and cards and turned over six-figure profit over the weekend before the loophole was closed, right? Um, uh, well done, them. Uh, and that's the kind of, I don't know, I, 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 I encourage that kind of um, freedom of thinking. And if you look, everything is just an individual bet on there. And as always, if you look at that individual bet and you ask yourself, do I believe the fair odds or do I think it's negative EV? And the answer is, I think it's negative EV. Fine. You don't have to bet it. That, that's the personal responsibility. I hope you go in an education process and I'm glad that you've made a judgment call at the end of it. And there's plenty of other value all around the site because of that. So coming back to the whole thing about um, Discord and um, uh, the feedback that's happening there, I understand that it's quiet. Um, whether it has any long-term viability in its current form, where it, you know, it, there is no blame laid at, it, at anyone other than ourselves for the position that we're in, that it is now just used as a kind of negative feedback mechanism towards us. Um, but you can't um, expect people to be sharing their edges when they fear that they would be eroded. One other thing I thought was quite funny, I know, is that, um, I have a... I have an old mate, um, I would have met this guy in 1997, wow, 24 years ago, a long time ago, so he's an old, old mate of mine, uh, and um, he provided a lot of um, sort of consultancy and sort of IT framework, a lot of stuff that I don't understand about computer systems and databases and stuff like that. Um, and as a result, I, because I, he's an old mate, he's one of very few people. I say you can thank you very much. He's a boogie bashing subscription. He's on um, he's been on Discord since the since the beginning of it. Anyway, he was discussing something and he was talking through um uh, a particular edge, and he got a private mess uh private message on Discord, uh, and I won't name the person that sent him a private message, but they said a warning. Do not share any information with members at Bookie Bashing. It will get killed immediately. Now, the person that sent this warning obviously didn't know that they were sending it to someone that I had known for 24 years. But what I realized is, how many other people are they trying to silence? Very frustrating that that happened, because I don't want people... If anyone's going to silence people, it's going to be me. Except I'm not on Discord, so it's going to be Duncan. Um, but... It's just frustrating that people are being told, you know, no one's sharing anything. And then if anyone does share anything, the private message to be told not to share anything. And I'm now aware that that's happening. Actually, it's been happening for a while. Ah! Uh, right, that Man United bet lost. We move on to the evening's games, though. 
most importantly, Sal Salernitana, Salernitana, Salernitana in Serie A promoted team last season um, versus Roma. Early morning this morning, um, my buddy went down, down to William Hill. And what happens on Sunday mornings, William Hill are annoying with coupons because instead of publishing one for the week, I think the risk management, they publish one per day, but then they publish the Sunday one early anyway, so I don't even get it. It doesn't even make sense for the risk management. Why don't you just publish the weekend coupon in one? And they have the Saturday coupon, which has some Sunday games on it, uh, but then come Sunday, those prices are mostly the same, but then there are just more games, um, and if they're cut, they're cut. So it's like, get the you just might as well get the Sunday coupon up. And frequently it gets to Sunday morning. I haven't, so that's how I spend my Sunday mornings a lot of the time. So I typed up William Hill 2 or more, William Hill 3 or more, and William Hill went to nil. Of the ones that we got on, it was a minor profit for the 2 plus and 3 plus, nothing huge. Um, the win to nil highlighted Roma to win to nil uh, at 9 to 4 on the coupon, and it was a held price. So we can compound that in a bunch of trebles with other teams to win to nil as well. And it was 3.25 to back. And we calculated using our game center, you know, XG for both teams. And then extrapolate the correct score market up to 2020. Add up all the 1-0, 2-0, 3-0 to 20-0 for Roma. And we got 2.66. Zero pounds available to back or lay on the exchange. Nothing to trade. Top price, 2.65. But that was an outlier. And many had cut to 2.6 and even down to 2.5. So top price could be the fair odds at that point. Regardless, 9-4 to looked silly. They also had um, it up at 9-4 on the sports offers extra coupon, although they cut that. We managed to get £500 through, thanks to a lovely member of staff who doesn't mind that uh, kind of state going through on it. And then they held it for another couple of hours after. And then... They cut it, but it was still 94 on the coupon, which is kind of weird. It was like they cut the liability on one, but they didn't match it to the other one. I'm not sure what they cut it to, but I'm going to assume that the cut price was probably good as well. Like they would have to cut it all the way down to 64, and then you could possibly argue with the money steaming in down at 64. It might also be a bet. Anyway, it's one of those weird bets, win to nil. Win and both teams to score is always fun. Because it can always come in even in the 80th minute when it's nil-nil. But win to nil, you get one roll of the dice here. <laughs> we need a clean sheet. Uh, Roma are 2-0 up in the 60th minute against Salatina. So we've got about half an hour to go. 74% possession against 29% possession. Salatina haven't had a shot on goal so far. So it's looking okay. This couldn't find it anywhere anyway. To watch on the TV, so I'm just gonna be following on flash goals. I'll go find a movie to watch at the end of this. Anyway, we've been doing the coupon tracker for those that know uh, since pretty much the beginning of bookie bashing, and been doing coupons for longer than that. And they they've been reviewed now by the Smart Betting Club, who have reviewed a couple of other other trackers. 
the golf tracker, the horse racing tracker. And um, yeah, uh, the, quite a favourable review on the coupons tracker. They had a dabble in it themselves, so they didn't just go in blind, trusting our results. And I think their results were quite favourable. I think a little bit more favourable than mine had been. I might have been hitting a little bit more volume um, in the last six months. Um, and then what they did is they sort of looked at the concept and then picked it up had a look at, you know, the difficulty or the int- the strategy, at least, with dealing with the inevitable cuts that will happen almost every time someone goes to the count on coupons and what the best strategy is for that, how to deal with it, you know, how many to accept, at what point do we stop accepting them, and, you know, that point is further down than, you know, you'd think it was, a few negative EV bets, because that helps with volume. Anyway, um... Yeah, and they had quite a favourable go. So they they picked up the results from our syndicate. So I've had the results of a few, and I've been involved with a few. But it wouldn't be fair, really. It's not normal to have a number of different syndicates like merged into one and then say, well, that's the results, because that's not really indicative of what one person or a man and his buddy could achieve. So that's just one syndicate results there um i know somebody asked is that just the results of what's on the tracker because what's in the shop is often cut no those are real results those are the actual results pain in the bum to go through the early ones as well because for some reason used to record if i did if i did seven teams i did the trebles that's 35 trebles of seven teams for some reason i would split that into 35 rows in excel one treble per row how dumb is that did that for ages and then for some reason realized what's the point of that and then I started doing a, a coupon on a single row and then now when I've got to put it all back together that just took the entire day a boring Excel <laughs> anyway um, yeah that's available over at Smart Bank Club to go and have a look at now yeah I think I touched on this before it was probably a very valid question I, I can see the theory around it many people have sort of said well I don't touch them because because of the cuts. And that's fair enough. It's one of those things that I think we push on with because we do them ourselves. You know, it's almost like a toy for us to play with. Um, and I think it's got very little take-up around the site. And I think the biggest complaint is the rare cuts. And I think I'm, I'm flogging a little bit of a dead horse here when I say, yeah, yeah, there are. Uh, we, we see the cuts all the time as well. It's just the thing is that I think we always consider the cuts to be less than the value overall, if that makes sense. So if you combine the overall value and then you've got the cuts and you have to take that away from the overall value, the overall value is still plus EV. And it's still over 20% ROI over a number of years. Um, Of course, that might mean that the occasional slip is negative EV, you know? Okay, so you get a slip and everything's cut to 1.01. Well, you you might as well just torch your money because the entire, you, you've got minus 99.999% EV there. What if a few are cut and then your compounding works out at 95% EV? Well, there's the debate. Ask one man and you'll say, nope, it's not, that's compared to the static price on the exchange, that's a negative EV bet, that'll lose money in, in the long run. Ask another man and they'll say, well, that's moved in a direction, that smart money has got 
information behind it that has moved it because it was priced up at 91% and now it's 95%. And yes, you could have got a higher price somewhere else, i.e. the exchange, although you would have had to factor in commission. But even though if you consider that to be the fair odds and you bet it below the fair odds, then you could say, well, it's definitely bad. But you're completely dismissing the value of the delta movement, the smart money coming in, the syndicate money m money coming in, the information that that contains, and then betting at scale, betting large at scale, betting on high numbers of teams per coupon, high number of coupons per weekend, high number of weekends per year. It all comes out in the wash. That's the theory behind them. So if you are very sensitive to cuts, and a lot of people that have come through a sort of matched betting background will see something and they, they've sort of learned not to touch it if it's been cut. And if you're very sensitive to cuts and you go to the counter and you find that it's been cut and you're like, well, I'm not having a coupon with a couple of cuts bets in it. That could be, you don't, you know, I'm not going to touch the coupon tracker. Or if you're very sensitive to cuts, you might go to the counter and work out what the cuts are and then bet on the other teams. At which point you would be very nervous to attracting more money in from something like the Smart Betting Club review. Um, to come and bet on. Now, to that I would say, well, when the horse racing tracker was reviewed, there were claims that thousands or possibly tens of thousands of people were going to come and destroy the value in horse racing. And what I can say is that we had between about 250 and 300 members back then, and we have between 250 and 300 members now. Um, when the coupon tracker was reviewed, a very small number of people in Bookie Bash are even doing coupons. And a very small number of people in SPC will be interested in coupons, and that transition over is going to be very small. However, if there are any, it's only going to be a bonus. And the reason it's going to be a bonus is, as we said, the problem with the coupons in the shops is not knowing the cuts. I'm very liberal, liberal with taking cuts, and it's served me very well up until now. But we could always improve... We have employed someone who's going out 25 days a month, not every day, not this last week, but 25 days a month, and placing 25, 50, one pound tester bets, and we're updating it once a day. We can't really update it more than once a day. We've got eight coupons on there. You want to update that five times a day? That's going to be 40 quid a day, um, 12,000 pounds a year, right? So uh, th that kind of thing, it, it starts not to work out particularly viable. So we're doing it once a day. That, that's still going to be a four-figure cost to us just doing it once a day. Um, but that's going to get at least have, you know, we're not going to have our overnight prices just sitting there the entire day. And if we can bring some more people in, they can hopefully get a little bit of momentum and people can start updating the cuts. And that, there is an intrinsic problem with it because if you go into the shop and you hear a cut, there's nothing in it for you other than being part of a community that uh, is an advantage for you updating the cut, you know? it's it, All you're doing is being nice to other people, and that's what we've got to rely on. And often, actually, I haven't done it, and the reason I haven't done it is I've been out and about and I've placed the coupon bet, and the last thing you want to be doing when you leave a shop is faffing around on your mobile phone. You want to be making sure you know where your cash is because you're probably carrying a load of cash around with you. Where's that high-stakes bet slip? Where are you parked? How much parking is left? What am I having for my lunch? Who's coming over this afternoon? Have I got enough wine in? Do you know what I mean? That Those kind of things are going through you. The last thing you want to be doing when strolling down the street is get your phone out and then cross-referencing against a high-stake coupon that you don't want someone to snatch out of your hand and say, this was cut from six to one. You know, you know. So there, there is an element of difficulty, but just maybe if we get more eyes on it, 
you know, if you don't want to, if you don't want to update on the tracker, you take a photograph of it and send it over. Ah, Roma are 3-0 now. Maybe they'll just park the bus at 3-0. Uh, they don't need to score any more goals. Just leave the ball in the midfield. Roma. Be a nice little payday. Coupon payday. Plus that sports off, offers extra. So yeah, mo- they could help it. And also, if they don't, if we have actually done this self-fulfilling prophecy of bringing more eyes to it means that sensitive prices are cut quicker, we have a little rabbit up our sleeve. And that is that we currently put up the following coupons. Independence, match odds and independence, match odds on both teams to score and and team to win in over 2.5 goals. The same three markets at Betfred, that's the total goals, coupon, the goals galore, and then the pushes in seventh heaven for the match odds, which travels and above, and at William Hill, score and win, and total goals as well, right? And that's the... Team to win an over 2.5, team to win an over 1.5, and win to nil at uh, William Hill. So that's what we put up. How many more coupons are there? There's loads more coupons. Now, the ones that we want to avoid are ones that accept singles and are arbable because they're going to make you stand out to traders. You put £500 on Salatino on that single coupon on the match odds and that's liquid or Roma, then you're going to get in trouble. But when the when there's no Betfair market, you're not going to get in trouble. They're not going to assume that you're that clever that you've worked out the win to nil by yourself. But when the lay is sitting there, you're going to get in trouble. Uh, the limits are going to be low. The cuts are going to be faster because they're going to be monitoring the liquid markets themselves. That, that's how lazy they are. They haven't worked out the win to nil price themselves at that point when we'd walked in. But if they wanted to work out the team to win, they just look on the exchange. You see, we're a step ahead of them in that manner. And there's loads of these coupons. There's team to score in both halves. There is both teams to score in the first half, both teams to score in the second half. These kind of coupons. And we've got really good calculations for this. And we've actually, in the background, spent a lot of time and we've got to the point where we've hooked up our coupon tracker to the rest of these markets that we have in the game center where we're calculating everything. And we can just upload all of these coupons. What um, um, There is a win both halves coupon. I think we're going to just stay clear of that. The reason being, the win both halves calculation does, uh, the real calculation, the fair odds, should factor in a coefficient of parking the bus. And at the moment, we don't have that. We're uh, treating both halves exclusively Whereas in many games, a team might go 2-0 up in the first half and not attempt to score and win the second half. So um, whilst we don't have that calculation in place, I don't think I'm going to put the win both halves. Having said that, our ROI against the win both halves boosts that go up, which for some reason Betfred allow more than £100 on, but they don't allow £100 on other boosts, is extraordinary uh, against our own calculation. So... We haven't been losing money on it. We've got quite a large sample size so far. I'm just not comfortable uh, until I've ironed out how we, you know, throw in a team to part the bus coefficient into the win both halves calculation where there's probably going to be a lower XG for a team that goes 2 or 3 nil up in the first half. In the second half, as against the projected XG for the second half at the beginning of the game. But the rest of these coupons, they can go up. So why don't we put them up now? Well, one, 
Very few people use the coupon tracker. We've already got eight coupons going up three times a week, some for Monday to Wednesday, some for Wednesday to Friday, and some for the weekend. And then, of course, William Hill on the Sunday as well, so it's three and a half times a week. To do that, we need to send someone to shop, pick them up. When they're not there, go back, pick them up, send them over, type them up into Excel with all of the odds, and then import them from Excel and link every game up with all the different spellings into uh, a tracker. And we have to do this regularly three or four times a week. It's actually a hell of a lot of resource. It's a hell of a lot of resource physically going to the shops. It's a hell of a lot of resource sending it over and typing it all up. And then there's processing in the background. Now, this new iOS that's coming out could be matching the Google lens where you can just take a photograph of a picture or take take any photograph, take any picture, and you can copy and paste text from out of that picture into anything you want. It'll go into the clipboard. Now, if that works for a coupon, we can then just take a picture of a coupon and immediately copy the text out and paste it into a import system or even just put a picture of the coupon into the import system itself. And that would speed up and sort of really uh, increase the number of simultaneous coupons that we're looking at. And if we have, say, double the number of eyes in the coupon tracker, we can easily have double the number of coupons and therefore exactly the same amount of eyes per coupon, if that makes sense. So we can e- easily increase load, uh, and we will. We haven't yet because we think we've got the right balance. Um, one problem with increasing load just now is that with very few eyes on a lot of coupons, then there's just people aren't going to be looking at certain coupons. Uh, we already have an issue with cuts. We're just going to exacerbate it to make it worse by increasing the number of coupons. It doesn't mean that we can't. The technology's there in terms of linking up against different game center markets. We think there's value out there in these different coupons. I mean, you know, how many people are smashing both teams to score in the first half coupon? Well, we've got a pretty good algorithm you know, that is monitoring the live price for that. I would say as good as the bookmakers, especially the shop bookmakers that are offering these coupons. Perhaps even better because it's a live price that's monitoring really close this. And um, nobody else is hitting this. This isn't a market that is liquid on the exchange. And I, I, I know um, there's a first half correct score market that you might be able to... Oh, no, you wouldn't even be able to hedge um, or dutch that because any other score would include the nil. So, yeah, I mean, both teams to score in the first half, teams to score in both half, things like that. I'm absolutely positive that there's value out there in these coupons, and we'll just branch out to it. So it's not a problem. But first of all, let's just see. Let's just see if we can get Garner a little bit of uptake. Because, unfortunately, the other option is, you know, if no one's going to use it and it's just going to cause issues, what we do is we, we can do is we can just turn it off and use it in the background ourselves. But that just feels a little bit cheesy. You know, when I'm going out every weekend, making some money on it, and you want to share that love, if that's what we're doing. So don't worry about the more eyes. The more eyes, the better. The eyes have it. The eyes have it. Listen. 76 minutes of this game has gone. Roma 3, Salernitina, Salernitina, Salernitina. Is that an M? Is that RM or is that an M? Two and a half years ago, I got laser eye surgery. And I swear to God, it's going. <laughs> it is. It's going. Salentina. Yeah, they've got a really weird name. Salentina. 
Salentina 1919. Why are they called Salentina 1919? Well, Union Sportiva Salentina 19, commonly referred to as Salentina, is an Italian football club um, after 23 consecutive seasons in Serie B, Serie B, um, they finished runner-up and um, uh, were promoted to the Serie A, having been in the Serie C, Serie C, I don't know what C is in Italian, in 2015. Why are they called the 1919, though? The Salerno-based club was originally founded in 19... Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? 1919 as the Union Sportiva Salentina. The club was known as the Societa, Societa Sportiva Salernodo. Nice name. Salernodo. For a time during the 1920s, following a merger with Odo Salerno, in 1978, year I was born, the club was renamed... God, they've gone through more rebranding and bookie bashing the club was renamed Salonita Sport the club has spent the majority of their history in Syria C and Syria B yeah you know what in 2005 they went bankrupt and were refounded by Antonio Lombardi changing their name from uh, Salentina Sport to Salentina Calcio 1919 and in the summer of 2011 it did not appeal against the exclusion by some professional society um, when it was excluded from Italian football. Uh, in fact, in 2011, they were in Serie D, which I believe is the non-league. That's like the national league of um, of Italy. I haven't followed the story at all, but I think they've gone from the national league. Serie D is a nuts league in Italy because they've got about 300... Well, no, 300 is an exaggeration, but I think about 20... They've got like 10 Serie C's and then like the, it, it explodes for the Serie D's because it's all geographical around the country. It's a picture of the stadium on Wikipedia. Go and have a look at that. It looks fantastic. I'd love to go and visit that. I didn't know anything about this team, but I think they've gone from National League to Serie A in 10 years. So good for them. Um, well, 4-0 now. 4-0, 79% possession, Roma. 21% Salentina. With 80 minutes gone, 79 minutes gone. So I've got 11 minutes for them not to score a goal for this big, uh, great sports offer and coupon bet to finish off my weekend. The eyes have it. The eyes have it. <laughs> All right, I've waffled on. It's been a long bashcast. Many of you are asleep now. Someone told me recently they used the bashcast to go to sleep. How dare you? How very dare you? Whilst you're sleeping, keep your eyes on the road. Because all was quiet in the deep, dark wood. And the mouse found a nut. And the nut was good.